I don't like it. I'm not high on Arizona. They're pitching like they. That was the last thing we heard last year, Washington Nationals first world championship. Welcome back to Dong City, July 6th edition. As you can tell, we got a whole host of characters. This is our 21st show coming in hot, 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 hot. Schedule just came out. Vince Mercandetti, Sean Flaherty, Leon Tompkin, our new producer, Robert Martinez, kicking it off in the background. Fellas, how's everybody doing? Vince, let's go with you, baby. Hello. Happy uh, delayed 4th of July here, as we hear an echo. Happy delayed 4th of July, Henry, Leon, Sean. Uh, as Henry mentioned, we have a little addition to the show going forward. That's Rob Martinez. He's going to be our producer. So hopefully we can bring you guys some more visuals, uh, statistics on the spot, since Henry and I both don't multitask well in that regard. But for today, even more exciting, we've got two more guests, and that is Sean Flannery and Leon Tompkins. And as we've been mentioning throughout the week, this is going to be the East preview. So this is the first time we get to talk baseball, real baseball, real 2020 baseball, like Pinocchio when he found out he was a real boy. And uh, we're going to get to it here. And we got, uh, I'm excited, Henry, because we have a, a token Mets fan and a token Nationals fan here to, to talk it over with us. Uh, we'll start with you, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm, I'm glad to be on here with you guys. Uh, looking into this new season, what exactly we're going to get. You know, it's going to be a full bore sprint, and we got a six-game series against the Yankees and Mets starting right around the middle of the season. So that'll be the time that I really think both teams are going to have to uh, buckle down and see how they're doing at that point in the, the season. Yeah, we got some nice surprises on the schedule show. Leon, defending champion, fan of the Washington Nationals, how are you today? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, um, glad to be on here. I'm a big fan of you guys. Uh, glad to come on, defend my team, and defend this <laughs> championship. Um, excited for opening day because, you know, uh, some would say it should have been the World Series. So we'll leave it at that. We are happy to have you, especially with that viewpoint. And, um, yeah, it's a, I'll, I'll lay out the ground rules. We've never had a Red Sox fan, so we've never had to worry about wanting to kill someone who's been on our show. <laughs> but you guys being Mets and National fans, this is like the, you know, potentially bloodiest it's gotten. So just uh, play nice, and let's get to some analysis here. Henry, before, what, what before do you have we start, Before we start, I just want to uh, – from all – 29 other teams. Leon, go fuck yourself. Coming in here with the, with the brag, with the, with the championship sweater and swag. So from all of us to you, here you go, brother. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. Thanks, brother. I love, too, that he's got the camera just focused right on his oh, chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got to be front it. and center, you know. That, yeah. He was playing with that shit for like 10 minutes just to get the right angle. <laughs> so let's let's start with the NL here. We've got a lot to unpack. The scheduling show just came out six o'clock uh, Eastern time on MLB Network. I know I was watching it while eating dinner. Um, they showed, I don't know if they went back to it, but I know that they showed the Nationals, they showed the Braves, they showed the Mets as far as the NL East goes. 
We'll go NL East first, and then we'll flip over to the AL East, the second part of the show. Um, let's start with the Mets. And, Rob, if you can pull up the Mets schedule and, and share it so everyone can see it. And, Sean, we could start with you. This is kind of your home turf. I personally th- thought this was a kick-in-the-dick type of schedule for you, but I, I'm curious as to your thoughts. I mean, we all saw it coming with, you know, the inner-city rivalries that they are going to do outside of uh, division play. So the Mets do, we do get stuck with six games against the Yankees, which look like the uh, leading contenders in the American League East, which is really tough. And then we have the three and three versus Tampa and Toronto, but then we get four games versus Baltimore, which I'd rather have four games versus Baltimore and Boston than four games against Toronto and Tampa. So I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. The six games versus the Yankees is really going to test their medal. I think it's going to test both teams medal, honestly. Leon, what do you think about your uh, – are, are you guys are arch rivals at this point? Is there still like a Braves-Mets thing, or is it like Nationals-Mets, or is it Nationals-Braves? Like how's that working in the NL East right now? You see, being someone in Alabama, I've always battled with Braves fans. Meanwhile, most Mets fans up in the tri-state area battle with Phillies fans. I'm really impartial towards the Nationals. I mean, yeah, they win the division, but it's not like they win the playoffs. I'm like – except 2019 uh, before (laughs) then before then and um but i've always think thought the mets and braves were a bigger rivalry than the mets phillies or mets nationals i'm not sure how leon feels though i will say um well living in new york being like a nationals fan it it, the mets you know i would say go towards the phillies uh the nationals really hit home towards the braves because it's the geographical region. Um, I feel impartial towards all the teams. I, I hate them all equally. <laughs> Equal that's opportunity hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Um, awesome. Well, we uh, we'll go back to the Mets schedule there, and Sean, you kind of touched on it that the it, you know it, it's a mixed bag to a degree. My thoughts, looking at the schedule, it's a little more real once you can visualize it, right? Because we heard sixty game schedule, but now that we actually see the matchups like in the order, for some reason for me, that's a whole different ball game. And my takeaway with the Mets schedule in particular is that you have a brutal start and you have a brutal finish. And those that to me is is the toughest because in my mind in a short season, you're going to have the pitching is almost always ahead of the hitting. And I almost feel like this year that might be an exclamation point on that statement, just because we've had such on and off spring and whatnot. Um, and the Mets start with, <laughs> with the Braves for seven of those first 11 games. And while the Red Sox are dog shit pitching and we'll get to them later, they can hit a lot. <laughs> so it's a tough start. And then you have the Nationals after that. So really tough start. And I don't need to go too much into detail with the finish there. The last 10, 13 games, however you want to look at it, even the Blue Jays might might be in it. Again, we'll get to the AL later um, to finish that year. So the beginning and the end to me are really, really tough. That's a big challenge for the Mets. And of course, need we remind you that we, that, you know, that Noah's out for the year, which I know is a big blow to maybe the yeah. biggest strength for the Mets, which was their rotation. Yeah, that first half, like you said, uh, we get we have uh, four games versus Boston, which I, I really do think if to start off the season well, they're going to have to win those games against Boston, at least three, if not take all four of them, which I do think they have the ability to do because, like you said, Boston has dog shit pitching. And the way they're set up that uh, Rick Purcello might be going back and starting one of those, and maybe he has a little bit of a 
advantage seeing as he's pitched there the last few years. Um, but the seven games against the Braves, that's going to be one of the two teams, either the Mets or the Braves, after that first 10, 13 games uh, length, uh, they're going to be – one of those teams is going to be out, out ahead of the other. And it's going to be really important because it's not a 162-game season. It's not, oh, we'll catch up next month or we'll catch up the next series we play them. I mean, all of these games are crucial. And it's just – it's going to be tough. Yeah, and, and we should touch on it. Henry, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts. I did want to throw in there that, um, yeah, Nationals have a couple guys who opted out, uh, Ross and Zimmerman. I don't think those are particularly big losses, but they count nonetheless – um, I don't know. I don't think either of the year teams have any major COVID cases, right? Because we haven't touched on that. 31 players, for those who missed it, tested positive. That's a very, very small number. And uh, seven staff, and I think since then, maybe another couple, like Joey Gallo today had asymptomatic symptoms. He tested positive. I think there was maybe one more coach in there. Um, the whole COVID thing, and I should have prefaced the show with this, we get that people are going to test positive. I think the players knew that when they signed up for this, they know that they're going to test positive. There's a reason we have a 60 man staff for every single team this season. And it's not just the condensed schedule. It's also because we, there's going to be people who are missing two weeks here and there right. with, uh, with COVID. So, uh, you know, it's every time someone tests positive, we don't need to make the declaration. The season's going to end. I think there's a certain amount that's built in here and 98% or 99% have tested negative. Uh, MLB released a statement earlier today also stating that they, uh, you know, the testing, yeah, 2% have not cleared yet because you saw that the Astros and Nationals pra uh, canceled practice today because they didn't have guaranteed negatives. They basically were like, hey, like, blow me. It's, <laughs> it's only 2%. We're going to get it right. Like, just stop stressing. Um, anyway, I had to throw that in there, kind of preface this. We're going to do all of these previews. I still believe the season's going to start. Uh, unless someone dies from this, which no one has come remotely close, as morbid as it is, you're going to see baseball. Uh, whether you finish the season, I have no idea, but you're going to get to opening day at this point, unless something drastic happens. Back to the schedule, though, Henry, what are your thoughts on the Mets schedule? So coming into this season, I was extremely high on the Mets. I had a Yankees-Mets subway series to the chagrin of everyone around the nation. That was the World Series matchup that I had. I look at the schedule and there's just no soft landing spots. You start with the Braves. They'll probably go two and one. They'll probably take three of the four from Boston. Then they hit the Braves, the Nats. It's, it's, that Marlins team is better than people give them credit for. There's no soft landing spots. I mean, you have to wait till you get to the Orioles, which is, will be everyone's, you know, bitch in the division this year. <laughs> Even the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays got a ton of young talent. Yeah, so, the Blue Jays are going to be no joke. The Blue Jays are going to – they're going to play, man. Bichette, these dudes are going to – they're going to hit. They're going to hit. Um, you got a lot of young dudes who just have nothing to lose. You know, you have – you know, the Phillies we'll touch on later, but I just don't see a lot of soft landing spots for the Mets. The worst-case scenario is they just lump the two best divisions in baseball, and I think uh, the Mets are, are being penalized for it, unfortunately, because they do have a stacked team. That last what, 13 games, 12 games is absolutely brutal. Yeah. I mean, their best stretch is Orioles, Phillies, Orioles for eight games. Maybe you hey. throw the Blue Jays in there. Like that, <laughs> that, that to me is the softest part of the schedule. And even then, you're still going up against the Phillies who are like no slouch. You know, they may very well win at, you know, 30 games in this season. 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I agree with you, Henry. There's very few runways here, so to speak, where you can be like, all right, that's when the Mets can catch up if they run into a really bad week or two. Um, yeah, they got that, 12, that's tough. 12 games against the Yankees and the Rays. I mean, those are the two of the, two of the best teams in baseball. It's, it's, it's a yeah. brutal schedule for them. I will say this. I, I've got two thoughts more on the Mets. Um, and then Sean, I'll, you know, you can have some closing statements here on their team. <laughs> but I, uh, my two thoughts are this. One, the Mets traditionally start red hot. Like every other yeah. every year feels like they have hot, at least first halves of April. Maybe not the entire month. But those first two weeks, Mets are like 11 and 1. They're like, you know, 10 and 3, whatever the case may be. So maybe in a, in a silver lining scenario, they can steamroll through the Braves, Red Sox, Red Sox, Braves stretch maybe Nationals too. And then you're sitting pretty, you know, you're sitting kind of pretty with Marlins, Nationals, Phillies, Marlins. You've got some leeway there. So that's that's a silver lining for the Mets. If they can continue to stay high, they may get to a lead early and they may be able to tread water a little bit. Um, but then, of course, they're going to have to fulfill their end of the bargain the rest of the season. The other thing is this. To me, and I don't think it's close, the East have the hardest schedule by far in mm-hmm. all of baseball. I don't know if we're going to see wild cards out of either East. I mean, I know the Rays are really good, but you're talking about seven, maybe eight teams who can theoretically make the playoffs between the two divisions, and they're just playing each other. So it's a brutal, brutal schedule. I think the floors for these teams are much lower than they would be in a normal season. And unfortunately, the Mets could very well fall into that just based on schedule alone. And if they run into an injury or two like any other team would, but, you know, Sean, what, what are your thoughts overall as a fan, you know, as an, as an evaluator? What do you think of this schedule? What do you see as kind of the ceiling here? Well, it's like, as you brought up, the Mets almost always start April is their month. April and then the last two months of the season have really been the, the quote-unquote, you know, sticker on this team over the last five years dating back to 2015 2015 they started hot had a bunch of injuries may and june were terrible and it's really carried that same theme every single year and then for the last month or two they're one of the best teams in baseball 2019 included and so it is going to be weird to see how maybe if it is a bit of a sprint um in 2019 you know they had a, such a great second half. The pitching really turned around. Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler had great Julys, which was kind of worrisome because it almost looked like they were going to be traded there for a minute. But they they seem to do much better in a sprint. But it's like June has always been the biggest bugaboo for them. Uh, it, it's kind of pathetic, some of the lineups I've seen a June Mets team put out there. I mean, we're talking John Mayberry Jr. batting cleanup. I, I kid you not, against Clayton Kershaw, it was like the worst game of the life of my life. And luckily Michael Conforto was called up only a couple days later, but um, in a sprint. And then you, you said we have seven games against the Braves and I don't, I mean, this is just the reality of the season in which we're going to play. Uh, we've already seen several Braves opt out for the season, including Nick Markakis. And I don't want to say he's, you know, a premier player on that team, but he has been the backbone of that lineup for the last four seasons. And he is just a professional 280, good at bats, clutch RBI hitting. He's a guy that, especially with uh, Freddie Freeman, hope he he gets well, you know, I just hope he doesn't perform well against the Mets. Um, Right now, first base is kind of a a open bag for the Braves. I've heard the name Adam Duvall thrown around, Austin Riley prospect with big power. 
uh, but swing and miss issues. Nick Markakis was also in that group, but now that he's opted out, Felix Hernandez has also opted out. It's um, I don't want to say it's causing my belief that the Braves are the premier team in the division to slip, but I do think it is a little bit. Okay, yeah, and we can get into the Braves in a second, Leon. As a def- you know, from a defending champion, say. By the way, this is a very Yankee-oriented show, so I'm just going to praise you this entire show since you're a champion, and, and you know, that's something to brag about. But Leon, as the, as a fan of the defending champs, what um you know, we're going to get into the Braves schedule in a second here. What are your thoughts between the Mets and Braves? To me, and I, I could be way off, you know, with your line of thinking here. To me, those are your two biggest threats in the division. Um, what do you think of that? Who do you fear more? You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Mets? Uh, actually, I've always thought over the years that the Mets were the biggest threat because of their pitching. DeGrom and Syndergaard, you know, one-two punch along with Strasburg and Scherzer in the division. Now, although Noah's out, you look at Stroman, he's been in the uh, AL East for a long time, and uh, I think that could be a big – Help mm-hmm. to him as well as Porcello. I, I think that the Mets gain an advantage with the DH. You know, you run with Cano, Cespedes, through the whole line, Dom Smith. They have a potent lineup. Um, my big thing is I wonder if they will go to a four man rotation and use that fifth man out of the bullpen, uh, either a Waka or, a, you know, Porcello for, uh, to say. Uh, you know, Lugo's one of the top guys in the league. Uh, Batances has light, lights out stuff. The Mets are a huge threat. Um, I, I really see big things coming out of him, especially with Cespedes coming back because he, he killed them two years ago. Absolutely just demolished him. So uh, the, the Mets are, are a real, real legitimate threat. Yeah, I can let you know that um, as of right now, the Mets are looking at using a five-man rotation. Uh, Porcello and Waka, both guys signed in the offseason, are penciled into the four and five slot. And I meant to bring it up and I forgot, but what Leon said that Stroman and Porcello both have this AL East experience might be a tremendous help, not only to themselves, but to their teammates and their fellow pitchers, as they can tell these opposing pitchers or these pitchers on their team, hey, I've faced these guys before and this is how I got them out. So it's kind of like having an extra pitching coach that has actually faced the guys. Yeah, it's a good point. And worthy to point out, Porcello is a rubber arm. You know, he's going to give you innings in a season where one injury could derail you, you know, one major injury. It's going to be huge to have a guy like Porcello who's probably not getting hurt this year. And he's also in one of his even number years where he's typically not shitty. Yeah, well, Well, we know that knowing the Mets that, yes, he's had like five straight seasons of almost 200 innings. So this is going to be the one season coming to the Mets that his arm just completely falls off and he only makes two starts. Just knowing the Mets, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) So The last last thing I'll say, that the X factor I think is Max, that the lefty um, to combat the huge lefties in NL East, um, with Freeman, Soto, and so on. Uh, if he has a big year, the Mets are just going to take off. Yeah, yeah. I, the the ceiling I think is there. I think their floor just got lower based on the schedule. Is probably how I best categorize it. Um, it. Now let's move or move over to the actual defending champs of the division, which many teams forget because Atlanta disappears as quickly as possible every October, um, and that is the Braves. 
who are having a tough time of, of COVID. I hate to yeah, make humor of it, but they've got, what, four, three players and a coach who tested positive and Freddie Freeman, for some reason, the worst maybe in the league of symptoms, which you hate to see. But the Braves have had kind of a rough start here, and now Marquecas opted out. So, um, and Sean, as you mentioned, I, you know, Marquecas is 100 years old, and he's definitely past his prime. But that is the type of bet that can get you through tough spots. You know, yeah. he's consistent. He doesn't strike out a lot. He get he can he can have big hits. He has like ten home runs and hundred RBIs every year. So it's uh yeah I'm with, I think that Marquez one kind of hurts more than maybe his stats indicate. Yeah, and um, he, he's just a good presence in that lineup and in the clubhouse. I yeah. mean, he's kind of like when the Mets signed Jed Lowry, who may he rest in peace because he doesn't exist anymore. It's like, yeah, what is what is up with him? I heard like there's still no no time frame on him. There's no. Uh, they said he's full go, and that they're not going to say what exactly it is because they think it's going to be too much of a distraction. Um, Twitter. He even said, "I'll leave it up to the Twitterverse to decide." So, of course, the Twitterverse did it, and it's all of its greatness did decide. And basically, everyone's saying, you know, the fact that you guys aren't saying anything is the distraction. Yeah. So, um, I think it's some some sort of like degenerative knee, maybe like really bad arthritis. But they said he's a full go, but he's wearing this giant leg brace, which I have several fantasy teams named after, Um, (laughs) and. but they, they say once he gets out of the brace, he'll be able to play. But if he's not in the brace, he can't really run. So I don't know. It's it's crazy. Meanwhile, but, um, Orlis Drubal Cabrera is probably just going to be sitting there for the defending champs playing third base as much as he can, you know, with K-Boom. Um, I don't know. You guys chose wrong there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's we had a lot of options. And I, I liked his floor when, when they made this deal because, you know, they had Cano, McNeil, and J.D. Davis – which all did very well aside from Cano in 2019. But going into 2019, they were all still very much question marks. McNeil had less than 80 games in a season. Cano had just come off the suspension. J.D. Davis had played maybe only a handful of games for the Astros. And Jed Lowry over 2018 and 2019 was actually top 30 in war. He was like one of the best players in the league that nobody talked about. But it's just one of those things. It's a Mets thing. It's just his knee is – not existent. I don't know. <laughs> you guys are cursed. Every time you get someone that's supposed to be good or was good, you oh, ruin them. Their body do falls not, apart. <laughs> do not. Please do not ruin my boy. We gave him to you. Do not. You guys gave him not, to us that. ruined. We, we <laughs> he was already ruined. ruined on our part. We um, give rap potentials to you. Please don't ruin that, man. That's Yankees my man crush. Yankees haven't fared much better, so he might already be ruined. And oh going to the Mets can't possibly make it better. But uh, speaking of ruined, here's the Atlanta Braves schedule. Um, not easy. I mean, <laughs> we're going to say that a lot with these schedules tonight. But starts off uh, at Mets. I don't know how much the at matters this year with no fans. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's still tough playing in other people's stadiums. That's one of the blessings of baseball is it's still tough you know, playing in other ballparks shaped differently and, and tailored towards different rosters. But they're at Mets, and then they've got the Rays, who are they're just a pain in the ass, and then the Mets, and then the Jays, and Phillies, and Yankees. I mean, that's a tough start. Uh, and the Braves do not play well against the Yankees ever. So don't, don't underestimate those two games. And then after that, like, you get the Marlins, but then you've got the Nationals, Phillies, Yankees, Phillies, Red Sox, National. I mean, this, is, this might be a harder schedule than the Mets. To so me, think, this is the most brutal one. Yeah. Uh, I don't 
you know, the, the Braves to me, all things considered, full season, you know, no COVID, all that, are probably still the most talented roster. Um, yeah. In, in the East, I, I guess that's how I feel about them. I would have picked them to win the division in a normal position, season. Position player-wise. Right, yeah. 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 Uh, they always have bullpen problems no matter what they do to try and fix it. But um, but this is a brutal schedule. They've kind of got a bad little juju going on coming into the season. Uh, I We'll get to the Nationals in a second, but the schedules don't do them any favors compared to them and the Mets and the Nationals. So I'm not as high on the Braves pre-schedule as I am, you know, or I'm, I'm not as high now on the Braves post-schedule as I was pre-schedule. Henry, what what are your thoughts here on, on our World Series punching bag? I, I think we're uh... – <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in um we're we're in lockstep there. I I agree. I like the Braves coming into the season. I don't like them with this setup. I don't like everything that's going on. You didn't mention. You didn't even get to mention King Felix, who mm-hmm. I thought would have a bounce back season. He had a chance at the rotation. If not, he had a chance to transition to um you know transition to the bullpen, which they could have used that help. And I would have liked to have seen what he can do on the back end of his career in the bullpen, possibly. You know maybe two, three years of a John Smokes type thing. But, you know, he opted out and, and they said he spoke to Freddie Freeman. And I think Freddie Freeman scared the hell out of him. And he, I think he's been paid over 225. Yeah. Uh, the, that that was what career. I saw. It was, so it's not like... That's like, the if you've made $220 million. players, it's easy to opt out when you're paid like 17 cents on the yeah. dollar. Yeah. At, at, at this point, King Felix is pitching for his legacy. He's, I think he's somehow managed to pitch himself out of the Hall of Fame discussion, which three, four years ago I would have never thought would have been the case, and I think he's kind of done that. So, you know, let's see what he's got left in it. He's still pretty young considering, he, you know, what does that arm have left in it? There's a lot of innings on that arm. So I, I was interested and I was intrigued to see uh, him going to the Braves, and it just sucks that, you know, we have to wait. You know, who knows? Maybe a season off will help him. I don't know. But, you know, Cole Hamels, is he healthy? I know he had an injury. Um, th- there's a lot of question marks with the Braves, and I'm not so uh, so high on them as I, as I was before. Had we had a regular season without COVID, you know. So, yeah, yeah I, and, I don't think they're going to make a lot of noise. To address Brian real quick in the comments, yes, Felix opted out. And, yes, you are correct. The Dodgers are an even bigger Yankee punching bag. But more recent history would be the Braves. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all good points, Henry. I, the Braves also, I feel like, are a little bit older in some of the more vulnerable spots. Um, they've got, obviously, a young core and stuff, but, it'll, like, the Marcakis's of the world, the Felixes of the world, that's what kind of puts the Braves on that next level, I think, that, like, their role player types tend to be older, uh, maybe totally anecdotal, but that's how I see it. And now you're missing Marcakis and Felix. Um, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year? Freeman is not in, like, baseball shape yet. Um, it's rough. Uh, you know, Leon, what are your thoughts? Wait, before we get to Leon, I just want to say one thing. The Braves front office also hit a home run because they got gift wrapped. They gave two really bad contracts to Albies and Acuna, and yep. now they're getting paid less money over the long term. <laughs> yeah, that's just how the Braves want it. No championship and saving money. Holy shit. <laughs> right, Leon, I'm sorry. Nah, it's all good. Uh, I wasn't as high on the Braves as a lot of people were, you know, that team goes as Freeman goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Ozuna was to take, supposed to take the place of Donaldson. I, I don't think it even matches up. I don't put Ozuna on the same level as Donaldson. Uh, although I will say their young arms, 
got a lot of experience last year in the playoffs. Being in a shorter season, I think they'll be able to push them more and uh, not have to rely so heavily on that bullpen. Although, you know, with Melanson, he's been proven time before, and uh, Shane Green, he's hit or miss. But um, Waste of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Marquez is a big loss. But it, it it really hinges on what uh, on where Freddie is because Freddie time and time again kills the division. He kills lefties, righties, you name it. He's gonna put the ball in play. He's so he is so rock solid, Sean. I know you're a big fantasy guy. I've got two questions that kind of impact the Braves here. One is that yeah. Acuna strikes out a lot. Yes. Uh, maybe the one part in his game that is not ideal, <laughs> but uh, he strikes out a lot. He's like thirteen. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, 13. and uh, well, yeah, I'm not saying it can't improve, yeah. but that is that is a factor. Uh, and he's now entering, you know, his third year, basically his third full year. Do you, so my first question there is, is for Sean, do you see any re- possible regression there? Is he is he not, you know, the MVP type caliber player? And my other question is um, just as far as the rest of the Braves players there. You know, just from a regression standpoint or anything like that, do you see anything there that could potentially be kind of a doomsday scenario or are they pretty rock solid on paper? Um, answer question one, Ronald Acuna, you know, you have the two different main types of fantasy. You have points and then, you know, roto slash categories. In categories, Ronald Acuna is justifiably probably the number one player in fantasy baseball. I mean, this is a guy that gave you 40-40 and over 220 combined runs in RBIs and still batted 280. I mean, he wasn't a batting average slouch. He still struck out 26% of the time, and he was like 25% in 2018. But it's like he gives you all of the production you could ever want. His walk rate did bump up a little bit. My issue with Acuna, and I'm high on him, but I'm not as high as others, is he seems to just – when he swings, he, it's like such a high effort swing that, and he's strong enough. I mean, he has the, just the bat speed that's good enough to, or you don't have to go all in onto a swing. And so his swinging strike rate is a little bit higher than you would like, but in terms of fantasy, I, I still think he's a great pick. Obviously he falls down the board in points leagues where he gets knocked for the strikeouts. unlike you won it in a categories league, but um, number two, other players on that team, uh, you talked about regression. I actually see some positive regression coming from a guy that Leon mentioned, Marcelo Zuna. If you go to his baseball savant page, uh, he had you know a career worst year essentially the, over the last five years. Last year was terrible for Ozuna in terms of results, but his batted ball data was like the best it's ever been. He hit it hard. He just seemed to hit into a lot of crap luck. And being in that lineup, if he can be in front of or behind a Freddie Freeman, I think he could have a bounce back year um, just based on, you know, kind of the underlying data. But also like Henry and you guys have mentioned is my thing with the Braves is their pitching. Leon mentioned how young they are. And they do have a lot of younger players. You know, Soroka had a great rookie year. Max Freed had a, a nice little cup of coffee. I mean, it was like 30 starts, so it wasn't really a cup of coffee. But it's like – all of their staff, aside from Cole Hamels, are guys that have had less than a year or two in the big leagues. And I think if you put all of your pitching weight onto them, especially in a 60-game season, that's a lot to ask. I mean, the yeah. four or five spots going to be filled by 
one of Mike Fultonavich, Kyle Wright, Sean Newcomb, Bryce Wilson, Ian Anderson, all, all of these guys that over the last 10 years, the Braves have produced really good pitching prospects. And I feel like only two of them have actually panned out. And it's like, that's what I see with a lot of these Bryce Wilson's Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson's is they do really well in the minors and then they come up and they're just kind of average. And I feel like you can't have average pitching this year, especially with the schedule they have. I mean, that's, it's going to be tough. They're facing a lot of great offensive teams and I'm not sure if their pitching is going to hold. That's going to be, uh, that's always been my criticism of them is they, they get these phenomenal prospect rankings, especially with pitching. Then they come to the majors and they're, they're three or four starters. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see if Fulte can stay healthy. Soraka can repeat his year freed. I mean, there's a lot of arms. It's just a matter of, like you said, are, are they arms that are going to carry them through a brutal schedule and a brutal division into a, into a playoff in a very short season? Or are they arms that, you know, need another year of nurturing and maybe yeah. this whole thing blows up? Um, Leon, I, I'd ask your opinion on, on the Mets, obviously, as one major competitor to the Nats. What are your thoughts? Uh, where do the Braves fit in in your rankings for the NL East? Is, are they finishing in first, second, third, or even worse? Uh, I would say third. Okay. Again, behind the Nationals and Mets. Behind, behind the Nationals and the Mets. Why I say that? I'm not sure if Freeman um, will be ready. If Freeman isn't ready, I think it moves Acuna down in the lineup. It, change, it might change him to, it might cause him to change the lineup around a bit, move Albies yeah. up, maybe move Swanson up. Uh, although I think they might do it even, even if Freeman is healthy, uh, maybe to lengthen that lineup a bit. But it's that pitching is, you know, going to be hit or miss. If it could yeah. all hit at once and be great, or or miss and just be uh, mediocre. And yeah. in the shortened season, that pitching is, uh, has to be top dollar. Yeah. You, you guys mentioned uh, Marcelo Suna, which you guys know I love. I absolutely love. And I know I got dragged over the coals last year <laughs> because of how bad of a season he had. But I, I think with the uh, advent of the NL having the DH, I think there's two guys that I think are just going to go balls out this year and going to have monster season. Osuna is one of them. The other one is the ONSS, but it's, I think DH role is perfectly suited for these two guys. You want to keep them off the field. Osuna's defense has declined, and these guys are just going to smoke it. I think the DH role is perfect for them. So watch for big seasons from those two guys. Fair point. Uh, let's move forward here into the Nationals, kind of the last of the three-headed monster in the NL East. Leon, we'll go back to you. This is your baby. Um, defending champion Nationals here. Thoughts on the schedule, thoughts on the season, thoughts on the 60-game, you know, anything you want to kind of throw out here before we uh, start disagreeing and ripping your team apart? <laughs> um, I mean, it looks like after the Yankees, it, it looks like a real, real uh, cakewalk here, I mean, at least in my opinion. Um, I only say that because of a four-man – I have a feeling they're going to go to a four-man rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh it worked in the playoffs. They can use their their fifth man as like a setup, as a reliever, as going on with the three batter rule. Um, they could use them for an inning, save some batters, save some pitches later on. They got um, with the addition of Will Harris, um, another capable closer in the back end. Although Doolittle is a little uh, iffy on the season, that's going to be a big uh, going to be a big deal. Uh, you know, it's capability of closing games, not 
as well as being a lefty. Uh, Zimmerman, although people say it's not a big loss, I, I, I think it somewhat is. Yeah, um, it is. Character they, loss, he, for sure. Yeah. He was primed to be a DH anyway. Um, and plus, they have a bunch of older veterans that could just use that DH as a way station, uh, such as Kendrick and uh, Cabrera. The Castro signing was nice. Uh, they plan on putting Keyboom at third. So Keyboom is slated to start at third right now, right? Yeah. He's number one on the depth chart, right? He's probably his job to lose. Right. And uh, But the, the big player um, for this season has to be Victor Robles. If they can move him around in the lineup, finally utilize his skills, the sky's the limit because I believe the rotation is just as strong. And the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen's the bullpen. So yeah. it's... <laughs> it's a thrill ride. <laughs> you, you also have, you know, who probably may be the MVP. Well, you know, that, that was, that's just going to go on set. You know, you know? That, that dude is just a freak of nature. He's a monster. And he's only, is he 20 yet? Um, according to Joe Buck, he's 21. <laughs> thought he was 19. Well, he was 19 when he came up. Okay, that's what it was, yeah. The kid yeah. is a monster, man. He, I, I think he is 21 now, right? Savage. Think yeah. about what you were doing at 21 versus what Juan Soto was doing at 21. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't eating beef tips at SBC in Connecticut, I can tell you that much. <laughs> he wasn't having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also had very different lives at 21. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Nationals, for me, I think I've been the most bipolar on this entire offseason. I've had him everywhere from like fourth place to first place to playoffs to non-playoffs. And now I'm back on the upswing. I, um, I had, if you had asked me seriously this morning, I would have still had Braves, maybe Mets coming out of the East as far as playoff teams. If you asked me way back in February, that was what I had Braves winning the division Mets winning wild card. Um, but now I look at the schedule and I have a few thoughts. Nationals are really, really intriguing to me because one, they're defending champions, and two, Dave Martinez incorporated the Alex Cora method of just destroying his starters to get a World Series ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in addition to the regular World Series hangover. Unless you're the Yankees, you just don't win the World Series back-to-back years. It, like it's, it's, it's been, what, like <laughs> three years since, back years. Yeah, since some <laughs> other team did it. So I'm not at all saying I think the Nationals are going to win the World Series, but if we're talking strictly from a divisional standpoint, this schedule is a cakewalk compared to the Mets and the Braves to me. Um, I, you know, the Jays are going to be pesky, but I think the Nationals match up really well against a team like that with guys like Corbin and Strasburg and Scherzer in that rotation. Those are the types of arms that young, dumb, and talented are still going to get shut down by. Yeah. Um, you start the season with the Yankees, whatever. Someone's taking two out of three from that series, I'm sure. Um, not going to really set anything off grand scheme of things. You've got the Mets, obviously, for six pretty up front. But then you've got the Marlins and Orioles for the five, for eight. Uh, on the front end for 12 on the front end. If you look at that, I mean, that is a very easy schedule. I think the Nets starting, starting really slow last year and in 2018 was a deterrent to me at first, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's more of an aberration. Um, If you're a 97 win type team, like you were in 2017, 2016, you're going to start red hot, which they did. Um, so to me, there's not really a correlation there. And the rest of that schedule is nothing, you know, that's going to dominate you. So to me, if you look at the schedule, 
I think the short season, Leon, you mentioned it on our in our comment section a couple of weeks ago. It might benefit the Nationals more than any other team in baseball. Um, I would have told you Corbin, Stroudsburg, and and uh, and Scherzer, and Sean, you'll appreciate this. I would have avoided all three of them in fantasy. No matter what yep. round they were, those arms were falling off just like Evaldi did, just like Sale did, mm-hmm. just like Price did. Um, but now – it's not so much it's only 60 games you're talking like 12 starts maybe 14 if you go with the four-man rotation like you said but it's also that they're not starting until july so those arms have had three months i agree 100 Mm percent those arms have had three months to take off that's a lot different than trying to limit the red Sox to 10 innings in a normal spring training and then seeing those arms just fall off immediately so to me everything that i disliked about the nationals between the schedule and the way that COVID has worked and benefited them is gone and now i'm just looking at it from a talent from a rotation bullpen's always shit but to me, the Nationals are, again, the class of the East. Whether that parlays into the World Series, I have no idea. But I am way back on the on the National bandwagon if I'm looking at the NL East. Yeah, it's there. It's definitely something uh, – I don't know. It's the Nationals, like you said, I, they benefit the most with pitching. But um, it'll be interesting with them. I think you guys are completely disrespecting the Phillies, by the way. <laughs> Have a good reason. Such <laughs> disrespect. What do, what do you think on the Nationals as a whole, Henry? Um, I like them coming into it. I, I definitely didn't think they would be the cream of the crop um, for the reasons you guys stated. I thought the hangover um, and just the flat-out abuse of the arms. But like you mentioned, I think coming back and getting so much rest in a season that's just so – unusual and they've had nothing but time to get things together and uh, it may benefit them you know they have nothing to lose they they have a chance you come out flat you have an excuse you already won you got your chip oh, you I like to on everybody. hello i'd like to chime in yeah. <laughs> well producer okay. rob on the horn what's up <laughs> what's going on i have a little special request from sean flannery uh i gotta share a little thing here one second so right. you guys mentioned ryan zimmerman not being there to be the dh <laughs> I want to sit here and stand in front of everyone. How draft Howie Kendrick? If you're redrafting Howie Kendrick over the last three years, has been the most underrated hitter in baseball. This is his baseball savant page. In case you've never been to baseball savant, red is a very, very, very good very thing. Hundredth percentile and expected batting average, ninety plus, and everything else. Exit velocity, hard hit rate. Uh, I just had to take a few seconds to show that off. And over his last three years, since he came to the Nationals, he played for both the Dodgers and Nationals in 2017. He has a slash line of 325, 373, and 516. This guy was built to be a DH. I don't know how he's really revitalized his career. I I really want to dig into it. But over the last three years, he has been a just an absolute monster and nobody really talks about him and while i do think that this nationals lineup has gotten worse sorry leon when you lose rendon it gets worse it's still good it's still good it still has juan soto it still has trey turner who i think are both criminally underrated to lead off that lineup but now that's even more at bats for howie kendrick i I think it's a really good uh, situation to sean's point you said no one gives him love. That's not true. The best baseball group on Facebook, Howie <laughs> Kendrick, has a lot of love and gets a ton of respect. I just want to put that out there. 
Howie Kendrick was on our Yankee all-time Yankee murderer show when oh, Ryan right. Burns was a guest. Uh, I think he hits right. like 340 lifetime against the Yankees. So hey, he batted like 344 in 2019. Yeah, he, he's he's a he's an all-time Yankee terrorist. And let's, um, and let's yeah. say he, the Nats don't win the championship last year without him. Period. Yep. No, they don't. Every they take the loss in the wild, team, Yeah, they take the loss in the wild card game without him. He Every was, World Series team has a guy like Kendrick who who knows how to hit. He's a he's a professional hitter, uh, and he just does his business. It doesn't matter if he's facing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, that's why I was so excited when the Yankees signed DJ LeMayu. I was like, that is our guy. That in a big spot, and he proved it by the way in Game Six of the ALCS. They didn't win the series, so it swept under the rug. But he yeah. hit that home run in in the big spot. Um, every team has one. That's the Nationals guy, Howie Kendrick. I mean, he he will perform in bigger spots, bigger than even his his reputation. No, definitely. And, he, uh, he cemented in uh you know in baseball history for sure. I think Rob had something to mention to uh, talk about. Yeah, about about Howie Kendrick. Man, he was the thorn in the Yankee side when he was with the Angels. Oh my God, I couldn't stand him. <laughs> he was yeah. a murderer with the for the Yankees. I mean, to the Yankees, I swear. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a killer. So, um, you know, th there is a Nationals. I, I think this next team, and we'll probably spend very little time on the Marlins. We can kind of just give thoughts on the Marlins. I don't know how important it is to evaluate their schedule because they have zero chance of making the playoffs. But we'll bring up the Phillies here. And the Phillies, yes. to me, are probably the most controversial team in this entire division as far as where we're going to fall on how we feel about them. Um, Leon, if you want to kind of give a double dose here, your final thoughts on the Nats. Are you guys winning the division? Are you winning a wild card? And then if you want to segue into the Phillies, give us your thoughts on them. Hold on. Let me – Leon, put the magnum on. Drop it. Drop the big dick. Go ahead, Leon. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Drop the spot. dong. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say that the, I think the Nationals lineup is a slightly a deeper than last year. Rendon and Soto, that one-two punch in the middle of the lineup last year was one of a kind. Uh, although now with the addition of the DH, you, Kendrick is going to be in the lineup every day. You're going to find time for these bats. Castro, you know, is a professional hitter. Hmm. Uh, Cabrera, Eric Dames. So guys are going to move around in that lineup. You're Eric play Dames under, under the radar signing. Yeah. 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 He's going to be a lot of DH too. Mm -hmm. And Starling Castro has a great history in Washington's ballpark. He has a great splits there. So another great signing. It was a good offseason by Mike Rizzo. Kudos to him. Yeah. In uh, the money they spent uh, for Rendon, they just spread it around. I, I think it's a, a good, good move by him. Uh, I have them biased finishing top of the division only because of their pitching. You know the big three, Sanchez is a capable fourth. You saw his playoff uh, pedigree. He, he knows what it takes to uh, ready himself for the season, long-time veteran. Um, that the, the fourth man in the rotation is the key. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the, the main piece in them uh, making the playoffs again. World Series is a, it's a stretch, but uh, I definitely see them uh, on so top of the when you say top of the division, remember there's it's one division that includes one. both the AL and NL. I, mm -hmm. I still think they have the best no? in the mm -hmm. league. No, they play yeah. each other. They're still separate. The playoffs work exactly the same. same. So you're, yeah. you're still oh, in five teams in each, yeah. 
Okay, so, well, I, I don't know why I thought it was one division. I wish it was that way. <laughs> I think with the expanded playoffs, it might have been, but uh, now that the playoffs are exactly the same, same that man. wasn't quite. Yeah, it, it's still NL East and AL East. Just happen to play each other for logistics. So, all right. So you've got the Nats though at the top of the division. Yeah. Plus, with this schedule, they can get out to a fast start. Yeah. Where do you have the Phillies here? Looking at this schedule and Phillies. their overall team. The addition of Wheeler, uh, I think, is big. Noah, mm. I expect a bounce back year from. Uh, if McCutcheon's healthy, I, I think uh, they'd be really good. Didi was a nice signing. Their lineup is deep. They're, they're really a Jekyll and Hyde team for me. That bullpen is, you know, they got some arms, but they're really – They got devastated really last year. That's exactly how I would describe it. They've got some arms. Um, <laughs> but I know what you're getting at. I feel the same way about it. Uh, they've got some arms. I just don't know what those arms are necessarily over the course of the season. Yeah, and uh, anybody know if uh, David Robertson is back? Uh, no, he's going to miss all of this year as well with Tommy John. Oh, uh, well, there that goes. Uh, I mean, Neris is nice, but, you know, I don't consider him a big-time closer. Um, I know they had another kid, uh, a righty, but Nolan Wheeler. If, if they can – yeah, yeah he's coming back. For, he might be ready. He had Tommy John early last year. I like him. I said, th that entire team, just like their bullpen was like sad to watch because by the end of the year, they had no – they had J.D. Hammer, which was like the coolest name I've seen in baseball in a while. But he ended up getting DFA'd, and he's not even on the roster anymore. Yeah. it. Uh, man, Phillies are so vanilla to me. Uh, Henry, this has a couple of your boys now. I think let's, you guys are nuts. I think. Well, yeah, let's get your thoughts here. I like I like the Phillies in this season setup. I mm -hmm. think with the veterans they have, with all the additions they made, with guys they have coming back, and then the biggest addition of all, you have a veteran manager in Joe Girardi who will manage the young guys and will manage those veterans properly. You talk about 60 games. The Phillies can shock the world here, man. The Phillies can can do damage, and, and I can see them making the playoffs. I love their additions. I love the addition of Girardi. I just think that they are a team that can fly under the radar and just shock the hell out of everyone. I wasn't a huge manager's impact baseball guy until Aaron Boone came to the Yankees. Now I'm like, oh, shit. Now I see all of the scenarios where a good manager can beat the game. I always think a manager can play a difference, I think, in this particular case. Joe Girardi can make the biggest difference in that entire division. Well, now you're talking, yeah, game. I mean, every single one of these games is essentially a series. <laughs> like, that's how I look at it. <laughs> if anyone can manage Zach Wheeler properly, it's Joe Girardi. Yeah, I think that's – so you're going from Gabe Kapler, who inexplicably gets hired again, yeah. to Joe Girardi. Um, this roster is not, to me, like an analytics sweat dream, uh, which I think Kapler would be better suited for. So I don't think he was a great fit in Philly. And now you've got Girardi. And I do think this roster fits Girardi well, and he's bringing Didi with him. That's an upgrade. I'm, I'm not a huge uh, Didi IQ type guy. I do like the player he is. I don't like that he swings at the first pitch after nine straight balls and pops it up 17 times a year. But, um, but Didi's Didi a... Yeah, Didi's a lefty in that park. That's a good park for him. Um, obviously, they've got Harper. They've got yeah, – the talent is there. My problem with the Phillies, and this is very, very basic, is that I just don't trust their pitching. Um, I think that oh. Nola 
is a real, I love Aaron Nola. He does, he is positive. I don't know if he has any sort of symptoms. So he's, he might miss some time. Um, but they, I, beyond Nola, it's just, it's a, it's not as sexy to me as the Mets or Nationals or Braves pitchers where I can say, hey, maybe DeGrom's not going to win his third straight Cy Young. I, I don't know. You can throw eight arms, you know, from the, the Nationals or the Braves at the wall and, and four of them are probably going to stick. I can't do that with the Phillies. I can't take their pitching staff and be like, well, this guy and this guy might have a down year, but they're reinforced by X, Y, and Z. So for that, I think the Phillies just kind of go into my purgatory I would have had them in the 80s as far as wins go in a regular season. Now I'm probably putting them in like the, you know, 30, like right around there. And that in, might in be a re- fourth place. In a regular season, I don't think they had the depth. But yeah. in, in, in the 60-game season, Jake Area getting all this extra time off after last season, I mean, that's a nice, you know, Nola Wheeler and Arietta is a nice three. And you have Nick Pavetta. That, they, they, they do have some arms. They may not be big names, man, but they, they can make some noise. I think Arietta's done. I, I, I was so. going to say, I, I think he's oh, done. He's I don't think time off Not is going to change Arietta much, but you do, you know, there, Pavetta could be a bounce back candidate with the kind of stuff he has. Uh, the schedule doesn't really tilt me one way or another. The ending is kind of hard. You know, the second half, you've got Nationals, Braves, Nationals, Mets whatever the Red Sox are at that point, you've got Mets again, Nationals, and Rays. So, I mean, that's not a, a cakewalk by any means. I don't think the schedule moves the needle for me. I just, that's just kind of how I feel about the Phillies in general. They don't move the needle for me, at least in this division. Like, I, yeah. I don't have a justifiable, justifiable case as to why they're better than the Nationals, Braves, or Mets. I guess that's what it ultimately comes down to. I think they have the worst bullpen in the National League East. I think that yeah. Zach Wheeler literally could with going and having JT Real Muto as his catcher was, I think the most, it was talked about, but it wasn't talked about enough. Uh, Zach Wheeler has constantly underperformed. We've seen, you know, flashes of how good he can be and his peripherals actually coming through. Cause this is a pitcher with four plus pitches. I mean, you just don't really see it that often. And last year, you know, he had Ramos and he had like, the lowest percentages of pitches in the shadow zone, which is like right around the strike zone. He had the lowest percentage of shadow zone zone pitches called for strikes. And now he's going to one of the best framers, one of the best, you know, game managers in JT Romuto. The offense I like, Bryce Harper, for the life of me, I don't know why people are on his back so much. I get the personality and everything, but this is a guy who hit uh, – 38 home runs, 100-plus RBIs and runs, 11 stolen bases. He had a career high in RBIs, and people are saying, oh, he had a terrible year. I mean, yeah. if, if a terrible year is a four-and-a-half war, like, sign me up. Like, <laughs> I'll take all of the terrible players. And, and, he, and he's that a was trout. after a full start. Yeah, and that was – But the bullpen is terrible. I think that their best – alternative like you said Nick Pavetta is now in the bullpen I do really like his stuff but I think what's going to end up happening is Spencer Howard a top prospect for them is going to end up in the rotation and either kick out Zach Eflin or Vince Velasquez if I were the Phillies I would kick out Vince Velasquez and try and have this high octane bullpen of you know Pavetta Velasquez, Robert Stock, who came over from the San Diego Padres system. These are three guys that, in a, in a bullpen, could throw 100 miles an hour. And I think that would be their best alternative. But yeah. outside of that, I mean, the names of their bullpen, Adam Morgan, Nick Pavetta, Bud Norris, Jose Alvarez, Robert Stock, Victor Arano, Reggie McLean. That sounds like a movie character. Cole Irvin. Like, these are nobodies. Like, 
I just don't see how that bullpen can hold up over a season, even if it is only 60 games. Well, I'm the only guy that likes the Phillies. I like the Phillies offense. I just I think their bullpen is just too flawed. I, I think, yeah, for me, it's not that I don't like the Phillies. It's not that I don't like the Girardi hiring or the Wheeler signing or the DD signing or any of that. It's that I just think they're a victim of their division. And I don't, I don't, again, I can't, you can paint worst case scenarios all you want. You can say, um, you know, the Nationals are going to have battered arms. You could say that the Mets, uh, whatever, are going to, you know, Syndergaard's out for the season. You could say that the Braves have too much COVID. I mean, you can make any case you want, but for me, I just, it's too much that has to happen. And like I said in the beginning, I don't know if there's a wild card coming out of these divisions because they're so brutal uh, in a short season like this. So for me, it's Phillies win the division or Phillies probably don't make the playoffs. And at that point, it doesn't really matter how they finish. I'm going to probably go with the latter. I don't think they've proven anything to me where over even over 60 games, I know it was brought up in the comments section. They were in first place after 60 games last year. I just don't know with everyone playing like it's game seven of the world series, every game, if they have the depth, the talent and everything that's going to go right enough for them to make the playoffs. I'm going to go out on a limb and say George already gets his third manager of the year award with his third different team. Do you have him winning the division or winning a wild card? I have him winning a wild card. Okay. Who, yeah, let's, well, yeah, let's go to the Marlins here. Um, we'll bring up their schedule so we can get at, kind of at a gift. Don't laugh wrap. too hard, man. That team is loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make noise this like year. Like I said, I think their bullpen's better talent. than the Phillies. <laughs> They're loaded well, with talent. I think that uh, – and, Henry, we talked about this way back when when we did farm systems. I love the Marlins farm system. I would okay. put it higher than 10th. Um, I just drafted Blade in my dynasty league because I'm that mm-hmm. high on his bet. I love a lot of things about what the Marlins are doing. I think Jeter, contrary to what everyone wants to say, is doing a great job as far as what he's doing with that organization. Jeter um, doing Jeter things. It's trying to build something sustainable, which has never happened in the history of the Marlins. This is not their year. And you you make the 60 case. Anyone can make the 60 case argument. I hear it a lot with the Pirates. We'll talk about them next week. You make a 60 case argument, but in this division, with these types of teams that they have to play, and we're looking at their schedule, that July schedule is silly because they have the Orioles for like half of it. But this season, this is not the year the Marlins shocked the world to me. I'm looking at 2022 um, as maybe the the start of them being able to do something special, but I don't see it this year. I think their last place is last place. Maybe they win, you know, 22 games or whatever, but I uh, I don't see it. Uh, real quick, just to go back, I I don't want to cut you off, but someone made a good point in the comment section about the Phillies. After 60 games last year, they were in first place. Yeah, I, I mentioned it yeah. earlier. It's absolutely true. My thought, I don't know if any of that really matters. Um, like the Yankees, for example, were 38 and 22 last year after 60. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that because everyone's playing now like the, you know, their asses are on fire. Yeah. yeah. So, Leon, why don't you segue us into the Marlins? I mean, are you with me here that they just are not a factor whatsoever or are there things that worry you? I think their starting rotation uh, actually worries me. They have a bunch of, uh, you know, pitcher contact guys, and in that ballpark, you know, it's. They're, I think it'll be a pesky team. Uh, that lineup is 
a bit more solid than you know people give it credit for. Uh, VR at the top, maybe a I see being a pest. Corey Dickerson, you know how he uh, just hits and hits. <laughs> yeah, and uh, catcher Alfaro, you know lots of power. You know you strike out a lot, but you know so you you'll hit mistakes. They do have um, to really too. Oh, they have to really too. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, I, I see the Marlins and Phillies just battling off for like last place. But I think the Marlins actually finishing fourth. Okay. Uh, Sean, what are your, we'll, we'll say, beginning and final thoughts on the Marlins as we transition to the AL here? It was, I liked them more in a 162 game season in which they get to play 80 games in Miami Stadium. Because like he said, they have a lot of pitch to contact guys and I do like their pitching. Even in the bullpen, especially their rule five pick from Washington, Sterling Sharp. Keep an eye on that name. He's going to be awesome. But in a uh, 60 game season in which they have to also play in the AL ballparks, I think their pitching is going to struggle playing or having to pitch in all of these hitter friendly environments of the American League East. Yeah, fair enough. Henry, you want to give your thoughts? Yeah, I think Sean nailed it. I think their pitching would su- will suffer in the AL ballparks. Um, but like oh. I said, I think that collection of talent, is, mm-hmm. I just love what they're doing. And I think the next two to four years is going to be fun watching them. Also, uh, if you need saves, get Yimmy Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> He's my closer pick. He's my closer fantasy pick over there. He, him on baseball savant's awesome as well. A lot, a lot of red. You say, are they going to have chances to have saves is the issue? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about now, like, your saves leader on each team is going to have, like, what, 12, 13 saves maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll uh, finish it up by saying I went to the Yankees-Marlins last year, I think, and the Marlins, like, kicked the shit out of the Yankees in that game. Um, they worry me a little bit, but it's – you know, we're talking about, I think, four games against the Yankees this year. They're pesky. Like, I'll give them that for sure. I just – I'm with you guys. Over 60 games, I'm not very concerned. They're going to make actual noise against the other juggernauts in that division. Um, we'll transition over to the AL here. Uh, use the second half uh, – <laughs> this next hour probably on the AL. Um, you guys want to stick around absolutely fine with me. We can get right into the Blue Jays here. Blue Jays are probably the Phillies of the AL East to me in that they're a very intriguing team. We saw that core just come up last year and take the world by storm. You know, Bichette, Vlad Jr. eventually started hitting a a little more towards the prodigal reputation he has. Biggio came up, turned into a rock-solid on-base contributor. Um, they had a few different arms. We, we know Pearson's right on the doorstep as far as being, you know, ready to go a full season. So um, here's the Jays. This is their schedule. They start off with the Rays and Nationals and Phillies and Braves. Uh, that's a little unfair. Then they get the Red Sox, who usually roll, you know, they usually roll over for the Red Sox. So that's a little unfair. Then you get to, like, the Marlins and Rays and Orioles. Maybe it softens up a little. Here's what I, my takeaway here. They don't play the Yankees until September 7th. Mm-hmm. And then they play them seven times there or 10 times in the month of September. So, And in between, they, pay, they play the Mets. So it's not yeah. it's a cakewalk. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. I don't necessarily know what it means. I'm not going to – I'm not going to – the Blue Jays aren't the team that I'm going to make that pick like 60-game season. They're going to shock the world. I know some people want to make it. I know they've got Maeda. I'm not. I like Maeda, but I'm not a huge Ryu. Ryu. They got Ryu. Ryu sorry, yeah. yeah Maeda's a Minnesota. 
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, they've got Ryu. I'm not a big Racist Ryu. <laughs> I'm not a big yeah. Obviously, I Racist. hate Asian pictures. I'm saying what everyone thinks. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not a big Ryu from L.A. to Toronto guy. I, I don't think he's going to be that ace that maybe people want him to be. I think he's going to be more of like a high three type of guy, uh, ERA wise. I think that um, the Jays, uh, this is the other thing too. 2017, I'll bring up the Yankees, right? That core came up. It went all the way to within a game of the World Series. Probably should have been in the World Series that year. And the Yankees transition lasted all of like six weeks. Yeah. The Jays basically did that equivalent without the pitching and, and without the payroll last year. Like that core came up and immediately it was like, holy shit, the Jays are like, they're ready. They appeared. But my problem is that things don't go linear. Um, Judge got hurt in 2018, and we got Stanton, and he struck out a billion times in April. And, you know, uh, Andujar didn't perform in the playoffs. Whatever the case may be, like, guys don't just come up and stay great together. It's very rare. I think you can see some of that with the Jays. So while I'm excited about their talent in the future, again, this could be a step back for them offensively. I don't, I don't love their rotation, although I do think they've got a few good bullpen arms, and I do think their rotation has improved. I don't see it in the AL East this year with the Rays and Yankees, obviously, kind of at the top. The, the teams you have to pass, I don't see a reason they're going to pass them. No, I agree. So well, let's go to the outsiders here. Uh, Sean, we could start with you. What are your thoughts on the Jays and kind of their outlook this year? Like you said, the offensive core for the Blue Jays that they've been waiting for has arrived. Um, Bichette, Biggio, Gurriel, Guerrero. That's like, I, I would take that top four and compare it to a lot of top fours. Like over the next five years, they're probably going to be one of the best top of, top of the lineups. But my issue is when you get to the rest of the lineup, a lot of question marks. A lot of talent, but a lot of question marks. Guys like Travis Shaw, Randall Grichuk, Tyosker Hernandez, Derek Fisher, who flashed power speed uh, in Houston but could never really materialize it. Um, the pitching, I, I think the Ryu contract was a mistake. I think after Ken Giles is a free agent after this year, I know we're more focused on this year. But I think their pitching is – it's almost here. You know, Nate Pearson, I believe, is going to – be sat for a week so they get that extra year and then they'll bring them up and start this year and they also have guys like Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson that they acquired from the Mets. Kay's ready to start this year. Richardson is a few years away but it's I feel like right now they have a weird timing they don't I don't like their bullpen they have the offense in the some of the pitching is there Uh, it just they got some holes and it'll be interesting to see how they fill it after this season. I don't think they're really a contender though. I think it'll be some fun highlights, but they're not going to contend. Yeah. They're like a, they're like a, a side salad to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 100%. The, the pieces are, the pieces are starting to form there. Um, but you don't have like bacon, you don't have egg, you don't have dressing yet. Yeah. So uh, that, he yeah, mentions a salad and his person green and his fucking bread. Bacon. <laughs> hey, well, that's a good salad. No one cares about the lettuce part, whether it's purple or green or what. That's what the Jays are like. They've got you know they've got a foundation, but they're not there yet. There was a um, Vince Dawson salad joke in there, and then you yeah. just wait <laughs> yeah. till the first ejection. Um, <laughs> Leon, what are, what are your thoughts here on the Jays? Uh, I think the Blue Jays' schedule was a uh, rough in the beginning. 
although you mentioned all the young arms coming up, you know, with the lack of a minor league season, you figure you might as well just throw them in there and see what they have. I mean, in this type of situation, what do you have to lose? Just throw a hundred mile gas, uh, young arm after young arm in, in the, uh, in the game and see what you have. I, I think they'll surprise some people in the beginning, but uh, they'll, they'll fade. I, I love that lineup. Uh, top four, as they say, but I, I think they'll start off a little, little strong, but tend to fade. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All in agreement there. Won't waste any more time on the Jays. Real We're quick, gonna... I just want to yep. say on the Jays, next three years, they'll have the best rotation probably. And the Mets botched that damn trade. I think you'll agree now, Sean. And I was right. It's it... And they sold high on Anthony Kay, and I'm okay bad with that. Trade. And we'll Pearson, see, because I have, I have a feeling the Mets might actually extend Stroman. I don't want them to, but I have a feeling they will. Yeah, and, I, and Pearson was my first uh, 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 keeper in our league. I kept him. He's going to be the rookie of the year, and Aaron, don't come to me with them shitty-ass trades again. <laughs> it's, uh, Call out. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, Henry. I, I, we both – bashed the Mets uh, Mets trade deadline last year and um, Blue Jays could be terrorizing in a you know in a few years but this isn't the year Yankees in my mind have a two-year window here and then after that things get real dicey in the AL East just the way that those other teams are coming on Um, one team that's not coming on but by 2022 they may very well be back that's the Red Sox so here we are. Um, it's I can't possibly give my opinion on this and stay objective, so I'll just <laughs> go ahead and, and say it. I think the Red Sox are going to be bad this year. Not even mediocre. I think they're going to be straight up bad. And I missed the boat last year, and I'm still upset about it. Henry totally nailed the fact they weren't going to make the playoffs. And this is in addition to the fact that I had their pitching struggling because of the way Alex Cora used the arms in the 2018 World Series. I just thought their offense was so good and the bullpen wouldn't, wouldn't shit their pants that they would be a playoff <laughs> team last year. I thought they'd win the wild card. I figured the Yankees would overtake them for the division. But lo and behold, not only does the rotation fall apart from day one, not from like July, uh, but also their bullpen was terrible and they lost everything and they were bad. Now I think they might be even worse in whatever 60-game sample size you want to use. And the reason I feel that way is you've got Erod, and then you've got like a bunch of guys standing outside of Home Depot that you wanted to take in, try and make them into a rotation. Like that, that's what this Red Sox rotation is. The bullpen is bad. They don't have prospects who are going to be ready to make an impact. You know, they stole Jeter Downs, um, but he's not going to be pitching for them. They've got one guy in the top 100 who's an arm, and he's probably a bullpen arm, and I don't even know if he's going to make an impact. So they've got no reinforcements. They have no payroll. They're not going to get anyone at the trade deadline. They have no pitching. They have a good offense, uh, and that's it. And that's not good enough anymore with the Rays and Yankees in this division. So I think the Red Sox might actually finish fourth. I'd put them behind the Blue Jays. Um, This is the year I'm going to finally finally nail the fact they're going to suck. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know, I'll just throw this out there too, if I've got any Red Sox fans listening so you can get angry, I don't know if they're going to be back in 2021 either because I don't think they're going to bring back Mookie Betts. JD might opt out with the Universal DH, and I, they can sign two starters in the offseason, any two they want with the payroll money they're going to have, but I don't know if that's going to all come together in one year. So for me, if I'm looking at the Red Sox, I'm saying 2022 is when they probably come back and win the World Series because that's what they do when they reload. But until then, I'm not a big believer in this year. I think they straight up suck. So that's what I have to say on them. 
Uh, why don't we go to Leon here so we can break up me and Henry giving thoughts on the Red Sox. <laughs> Leon, Leon, what do you think about them? Uh, obviously, the Chris Sale, Tommy John deal was the big blow. I mean, they had David Price and Betts. I mean, they might have an outside chance, but just like you said, the offense is they're going to mash, but they're going to give up about 15 runs a game. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. And that was a big difference from 2019 to 2018. 2018, they won so many games, it felt like, where they were like down four in the sixth. And then the bullpen would hold them, and then they'd just beat the shit out of someone else's bullpen. They'd win a bunch of games from behind. 2019, that magic was lost because their bullpen wasn't holding them anymore. Uh, and now, 2020, they don't even have a bullpen or rotation. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's one thing when you're a team that can average six runs a game. It's another thing when your pitching is giving up six runs a game on average. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have that big advantage. So, I'm with you. I think that's a good point. Yeah, but uh, they don't even have, like, the one guy, like, a, even a Ryu. They don't, like – no, they, they have, they have like Erod and nothing. I mean, nothing in that mm-hmm. rotation that could possibly give you the warm. Rick Porcello would be their number two starter this year with Price and Sale gone. I have no doubt about Did that. Did he test positive? Did he? I hadn't heard about it. I, I didn't hear that either. Let me check. Um, this would be the time to do it. It's not <laughs> going anywhere. But, uh, Sean, what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree that their starting pitching is terrible. Um, I do like Erod more than I thought I would. Uh, Martin Perez is a little bit of upside, but not really. Um, but where I disagree is their bullpen. I think they actually have a three-headed monster back there that I don't think it'll help all that much in the grand scheme of a 60-game season. But Matthew Barnes or Matt Barnes, who had kind of fell on his face, he had the closer's job last year. Uh, he still showed the the elite stuff with the strikeouts, but he had a lot of walk issues. And um, that's kind of this theme for also another guy for them. Dar- uh, I-, I always mess up his last name or first name, Darwinson Hernandez. Yeah. This is a guy, he had like 57, 58 strikeouts and only 30 innings, but walks are an issue. And then Brandon Workman might be the most overlooked relief pitcher in all of baseball. And it's so weird because none of his stuff is like crazy, except he has this curveball that is just like defies physics. It doesn't have a high spin rate, but it has lots of movement. And I think that the bullpen could keep them close, um, but it's I don't see the, the rotation doing anything to help them win. Yeah, and maybe this is anecdotal from years of needing therapy and having PTSD, but <laughs> I think Fenway not having fans for some reason hurts the Red Sox more than other teams not having their home fans. I don't know what the Red Sox splits are home and road-wise the last few years, but to me, that is one of the most lethal crowds in baseball, and now it's not going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, they're lethal, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tori, Tori some more than others. <laughs> so, Henry, why don't you give us your thoughts on the Red Sox? Have you have you come around at all on them since last year, or is it, are you in the same boat as me? No, fuck them. Uh, they're going to finish behind the Jays. If it wasn't for the Orioles, they'll be the bottom of the class. Um, I don't like anything about this team. I don't like their minor league system. I don't like their general manager. I don't like their manager. I don't like their owner. I don't like their fans. I don't like Yaki way. I don't like anything about this organization. So I'm going to relish in the fact that they're going to absolutely suck for the next three years. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> the only reason they're not even worse than that is because Corona saved their ass with that trade. Because had they had Mookie and David Price, they wouldn't have get back the same return. Yeah. So they got they got um, lucky. 
I, uh, I'll also say this, we know historically, at least under, you know, this current regime of, and when I say regime, I mean ownership, when the Red Sox suck, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they mm-hmm. don't have an in-between switch where they like battle for second place. They're either going to just suck ass and get a good pick or they're going to win the world series is pretty much, or, you know, or they're going to like win the division. I uh, won't say world series. I don't do it every time. Um, so to me, you look at this schedule, which we really haven't touched on that much. They start with Baltimore. So they'll score 45 runs the first three games. But then after that, you get cooled down by the Mets. And I think that for whatever reason, I think they're a terrible matchup for the Mets. I think I'm mm-hmm. with you, Sean. I think the Mets could take three out of four there. Um, and then they get the Yankees after that, which all of my severe paranoia about the Red Sox kind of dissipated last year when the Yankees routinely kicked the shit out of them. So that, you know, that that's a rivalry, obviously, and the Red Sox are always dangerous, but now you don't have Fenway fans and you're facing the Yankees who are loaded um, and you're not. <laughs> so, and then they have the Rays after that uh, and then the Rays and Yankees all, for a lot. So that first half of the season, Red Sox could be buried by mid-August and then they may just fold like a tent. So anywhere for, to me, anywhere from like 20 and 40 to like 31 and 29 in a best, best, best case scenario is probably where I see them. And I'm going to lean with the fact, yeah, maybe they get third. They're not getting second. They could get fourth. They're not getting fifth. I mean, they're in that third to fourth place for me. They're going to be little whores at the trade deadline and trade every and anything they can, including JD, including JD Martinez. I was just looking it up to see if he had a no trade clause, and apparently he has a limited that each offseason he can name three teams yeah. uh, that he can be traded to. But uh, I, I, I thought the same thing. Like, this is going to be – they're going to sell a lot of pieces. Yeah, remember it's going when to be we one left- of those – Remember when we laughed at that opt-out clause and we were like, why would he have that? Day? It fits perf- It falls in perfectly for him. It really, the universal DH worked great for him. Um, and I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be one of those sell off anything that's not, that's not High down. down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What saved their ass last time was Dave Dombrowski, who just kills farm systems for a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he loaded their team up. They got a ring out of it. Now they have no farm and no on the field talent. Yeah, and that offseason's one month into the season. I mean, that, that trade deadline's one month into the season. So we're talking maybe three weeks into the season. If, if they have a tough first three weeks, which schedule-wise isn't favorable to them, they may be in sell mode. And that's another reason they're just going to suck. So that's the Red Sox. Uh, Rob, why don't you bring up the uh, Orioles for us so we can get them out of the way? <laughs> and um, Leon, any fear over the Red Sox at all, or are you pretty much in agreement with all of us? No, uh, I think they're going to be bad. What I do think, if, if they want to be creative, they could try openers. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe, maybe once in a while throw some finish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are they going to use to pitch the other eight innings, though? I mean, if you have a good bullpen, what good is it if you're never winning? Might as well just open them. Right. Yeah. I guess I just don't feel like they have a deep or lethal enough bullpen to do that, but it's, it might be a better strategy to your point than using a just awful rotation instead. So, I mean, they're in a rock and a hard place this, this year. I don't put it past the Red Sox to weasel their way into rebuilding as quickly as possible and becoming a juggernaut again. Um, team that will not be a juggernaut anytime soon is the Baltimore Orioles. And I'm going to preface this too. We haven't talked about Orioles fans. Cause like why, you know, why beat a dead fan? But 
they're not going to be good soon. <laughs> like I've heard that around the internet that uh, that this team's like in rebuild mode. Maybe they're a year or two away. And Sean, maybe you disagree, but I, I, I don't see them being good. I think they're still three to five years away. It, three years being an absolute best case scenario. And when you factor in the AL East tax, it might be longer than that. I just don't, I don't see where these pieces are coming from anytime soon. Sean, what do you think about the Orioles of this year? And I guess in the next few years. Uh, bringing up their bullpen, I actually like some of the arms. You know, Michael Givens is kind of the the lone guy standing from that lethal bullpen that they had in the early 2010s of, you know, Britton, Givens, O'Day. Uh, Givens is the last one standing, but they do have a couple of guys coming up behind them. A uh, longtime starting pitching prospect who was in the top 100 for like two years before just devastated by injuries, Hunter Harvey. And he actually got the cup of coffee last year in – August and September, and he actually like kind of solidified their bullpen, and it allowed um, Orioles manager, what's his name? Oh God, I forget. New guy. Anyway, uh, it allowed him to use Michael Givens in other spots, and Brandon Hunter Harvey Hyde. has a who is it? Brandon Hyde. Brandon Hyde. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I Hunter Harvey had really you. good strikeout stuff, as well as Tanner Scott. So they do have some swing and miss you know, potential guys back there. But like you said, I think three years is being very nice. Um, they have a couple of starting pitching prospects that are, you know, double A, high A ball. Uh, Keegan Aiken, who's the highest ranked out of all of them, is in triple A, but he's also, I think, the lowest upside. But uh, a couple of names to keep an eye out for. D.L. Hall uh, ended up in double A and Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Hall's a like a six foot six lefty. So they have a couple of starters, and I see the offensive tools there. Guys like Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, who for some reason was left <laughs> off of their player pool. I have no clue why. He was one of their best AAA hitters. Um, yeah, that is bizarre. I, it's like I, may, he can be added later, so maybe it's just a procedural thing. But uh, I see some of it developing. But like you said, right now it's like right when you enter a tunnel and you can kind of see something ahead, but you're not sure what it is. Yeah. And I, I think that's the Orioles right now. Yeah. Uh, schedule doesn't really matter. Uh, they're finishing in last. That's all you yeah. have to know. Henry, do you have thoughts on the Orioles? Yes. November 2022. That is when Chris Sale's contract ends. That's when they start the rebuilding process. They suck. The Red, <laughs> oh, the Red Sox. <laughs> We're still on the Red Sox. Yeah. I said Chris Sale. I'm sorry. I meant um, Chris Davis. Oh, Chris, Chris Davis. Davis. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm with you. 2022 sounds good for both. but um, That's when they really start their rebuild because that contract has just been – Hey, he was having a great spring training. I don't want to toot anybody's horn too early. But, like, I, so I would really Kung love Panda. to see Chris Davis have one great year left. So was Kung Fu Panda. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's even Chris Davis could hit 50 home runs again. They're still going to come in last. Is Chris yeah, yeah, Davis the sure. worst contract in baseball history? Does he mm. beat Jacoby Ellsbury? Els, well, did Davis suck immediately? Yes, immediately. immediately. He did, right? Yeah. The next season, Ellsbury, I think, gave us like two decent years, right. and well, then he, he started getting hurt a and lot. And he got hurt. Davis right. is on the field and sucking. Yeah. If you're no, from he had, he had one good year. He signed it. Uh, it was 16 through 2022, and he was actually okay in 2016. And then over the next three years, he's been worth exactly negative four and a half wins. Holy shit. That is over really three bad. years. He was zero in 2017, minus 
1.2 and 18 and minus 1.3 and 19. I'm telling you, that's that's, the worst contract in baseball history. That's like Neil Walker on reverse steroids. Um, (laughs) Neil Walker's still still playing, by the way. Yeah, he's on the Phillies. NRI. Yeah. Uh, Now I'm definitely picking the Phillies for fourth. Um, (laughs) Leon, these are – I know you don't consider them a rival, right? I know they share like a – highway or something but these aren't actual <laughs> rivals right yeah i mean the beltway series is six easy wins uh, this team is just <laughs> lucky bastard he gets to face the baltimore orioles six times and yeah. i'm stuck facing the yankees six times <laughs> you get the marlins i mean <laughs> i mean they, they've been cursed by buck showalter so you know <laughs> that that uh with the wild card game when he didn't left britain in the bullpen yep mm-hmm. yeah so Ever yep. since then, they might have to just treat this year as like they're, you know, as like a triple A. Just bring everybody up, see what they got. Yeah, get the I mean, experience. Yeah. It's like Sean says, they have a lot of guys with talent. I just feel that they'll do what they did with Manny Machado and just waste it. They, they're going to, yeah, they're going to be lucky to win 15 games. <laughs> That's kind of how I see it. Um, and let's go, yeah, Rob, let's go to the real teams in this division. Um We'll get to the Rays here. Uh, always a confliction for me or a conflict for me because I live in the greater, you know, I live in Central Florida. So if the Rays ever win anywhere, I'm very upset because I have no connection A to the AL East that way and B to baseball. I'd have to go to, you know, Florida or Atlanta would be my closest city. So I kind of have a soft spot for the Rays. That said, they're also the biggest threat to ruining the Yankee season. And, and they were like that last year too. Rays are a fundamentally lethal team every year. They're an analytical lethal team every year. They are a run prevention lethal team every year. And this year, they have some special surprises. They have added an Asian import, which is just like the greatest mystery box to me is when we bring over a Japanese hitter. Uh, Because I'm like, this guy could do anything. Who knows what, what he's capable of. And the other fact is that they brought over Jose Martinez, who I can guarantee you, regardless of what he does against any other team, is hitting 350 against the Yankees this year. Guaranteed, no doubt about it. He's going to Howie Kendrick us all season long. And, uh, and those are my initial thoughts on the Rays. I haven't had a chance to look at their schedule, so I'm going to let someone else speak here. Um, Henry, why don't we go right over to you? Tell, uh, uh, tell me what you, your thoughts are on the Rays. I'm going to look at a different pick. That pick is kind of – it's a little blurry for me. Um, but I, I absolutely love the Rays. And you're not supposed to love a division rival as much as I love the Rays. I just think that team, like you said, from front office to manager to position players, pitching, bullpen, you know, I know, I know Sean's a little higher in the bullpen than I am. But um, I, I just think that team, every button they push seems to be the right one. I'm, I'm shocked they haven't won a chip yet. Um, 08 should have been theirs. I will always say that. The snow killed them. Um, but that that team is loaded, man. Like you said, they brought over Jose Martinez, who should have been in the AL years ago. He was just wasting his time in St. Louis. They brought uh, they have G Man Choi, Yasimoto, and I'm not gonna try to pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, uh, Yoshi Tsutsugo. Yeah, Tsutsugo. <laughs> there you go. They're, I think they're yeah. calling him Yoshi. They're just calling him Yoshi. Yeah. 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 They, Manny Margot. This team is absolutely loaded. The only good thing for us is Charlie Martin. Didn't he opt out? He was considering no, it. He's still there. I don't, yeah, he hasn't yet. Their big three, Snell, Glass, Snell, Morton, have not opted out. I'm rooting for each one of them to do it any day yeah, now, but it hasn't happened. 
Yarborough's better than Yarborough's right there too. I mean, he's no slouch. They they got a lot, man. That this team is absolutely loaded. I love them. Wouldn't shock me if they win the division. I'm still picking the Yankees because I think that offense is too potent. But it would not shock me if the Rays um, won the division. Rob, you have some thoughts from behind the curtain on the Rays here. No? Okay. Um, I do, yes, I do. (laughs) It's like running to catch up to the group. I do, I gotta (laughs) say something. We had to unchain you from the refrigerator. What's up? I have uh, another pick from uh, from Sean. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, when I talk about the Rays, I actually had the the great wonder of working for their double-A team last year. Yeah, that's right, I forgot about that. And a lot of guys, Yandy Diaz, imagine being a baseball and getting hit by this guy. <laughs> just imagine that. Like, just living the life of that ball. He is, uh, of course, kind of everyone saw him last year when they faced uh, the A's in the wild card game, and he had, the what, two home runs off of Benaya, one to lead off the game, and one later. Yeah. Um, he had a little bit of a foot issue that he missed some time with. This was a guy in the giant dynasty league, me and Vince are in. I was able to get this guy late, and – in the minors, he posted nothing but great exit velocity numbers. And usually when you see somebody big like that with great exit velocity, you're like, oh, he's probably just swinging for the fences. He actually had issues hitting the ball into the ground. And so he was hitting the ball hard, but he had a really high ground ball rate. Uh, the Rays traded one of their top prospects, Jake Bowers, for him. And a lot of Rays fans were like, what the hell? Why, why would we trade Bowers? He did well for us in his cup of coffee. I remember that trade, and I was, I had a, it was a head-scratcher for me, too. And Yandy Diaz, I'm telling you, Tampa, they take guys. Uh, his average launch angle didn't go up considerably, but it did go up. And he's just one of those guys, just the untapped potential. He hits line drives. Like, his home runs, he doesn't really hit fly ball home runs. He hits missiles out of ballparks. Like I saw several of his go to center field last year that I'm pretty sure had sub 4.5 hang times. And he's just one guy that if you need to look at the Rays, he's looking at being their leadoff hitter or somewhere in the top third of the lineup. But uh, the pitching's great. Uh, They're my world series pick. I think they just have so much pitching. Uh, Tyler Glasnow, I think could win the Cy Young in a shortened season as well. Yeah. But, yeah, just imagine being in baseball being hit by Yandy Diaz. Like, two, that's, two that's scary. <laughs> two things. What do I always say about trading with the Rays, Vince? You're in a <laughs> You never win. <laughs> you make a trade with the Rays, know that you lost already. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to need somebody who's good with Photoshop. Matt Whelan, somebody who's good with Photoshop. I need that photo with me and Vince on it for Dong City <laughs> right there. <laughs> My head on Yandy Diaz. <laughs> I need that photo and Dong and Dong City right over it. I need that done. My favorite part about this picture is, first of all, the children are not permitted. Sign has several exclamation points. What's so crack? Like, how angry are they if a child enters? And my second thing is, like, who the fuck is going to try and enter this room with those two standing there? Like, they we didn't break a child in half. Um, the best part is I think Moana's playing in the background in the TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, we dare you to try and get past these uh, two men and our intimidating sign. Bring those um, fucking kids. We're going to play Moana. We still dare you to bring those kids. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the Rays are, again, not to the Nationals extent, but I think they actually do benefit a lot from a shortened season. One, mm-hmm. because Charlie Morton's kind of old. 
and two is that Tyler Glasnow is kind of young. <laughs> so Glasnow, I think, would have been, if I'm not mistaken, on some sort of innings limit over a full season. That's out the window. Morton is probably going to stay completely conditioned all season. Um, and Snell is right in his prime. So, I mean, he could very well have a bounce back great year too. Uh, and then we talked about the, the their offense is legitimately good this year. And this is the first time in a long time I think we can say that because they squeeze every ounce of talent out of those guys. And this year, though, they actually have talent and they'll probably squeeze every ounce of talent out of them. Yeah. So it's scary. Uh, and then on top of that, Kevin Cash does not Aaron Boone them out of any games. He maximizes his wins. He uses the bullpen to like some crazy formula none of us could figure out, but it works. And he'll bullpen games. He'll he'll use openers. He'll do ever, whatever it takes every game. The Rays have been in this 60-game do-or-die mode every single year of their existence since they got good. And that's what's scary because they, they have already been managing every single game like they have to win it forever. Uh, so this shouldn't be any different. That puts them, in my mind, at first base. The Yankees are at home plate, and that's who we're talking about in this division. Leon, what are your thoughts on the Rays? I have the Rays winning a division based on their pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to see uh, McKay. Uh, I'm all, I also, as you mentioned, their lineup is much better than it's been in years past, and that's going to be a difference maker as well uh, for them to be at least – keep up scoring runs because, you know, the division will score, the NL East will score, yeah. but the pitching will, uh, uh, I think, catapult them to the top of the division. It's fair. I, I don't fault anyone for taking the race to win the East. Um, and I mainly well, don't well, do well, it. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In, <laughs> in my mind, the Yankees and Rays are the top two teams in the AL. And then there is a drop-off. Um, what that drop-off is, you'll find out in future weeks of Dong City. But that's how I see it. So if you want to say the Rays are one, Yankees are two, that's fine. You want to say either one of them is not top two, I have a problem. Dude, you look um, at their, their depth chart. is, is ridiculous. Dude. Yeah, that, I was going to say that, but go, go for it. Yeah, and their, their farm, their their farm chart system's is elite absurd. as well. They have three center fielders. <laughs> they have eight shortstops. Yeah. They, they just have depth for days. They can make trades. And, it, and it's a Patriot it's a little Patriot like in that they're interchangeable parts. None of these guys are going to be 50 home run. Like none of these guys are a Stanton type talent where Stan on the Marlins was that like, none, was that offense. None of these guys are like that. They could just, they could piss out four war players basically uh, from every angle. And there's probably some sitting in their form system right now who yeah. haven't even come up yet. Yeah. So, that, that was yeah. the one thing I was going to say is aside from just, you know, like the premier talent, we know they have the Blake Snells, the Glasnows. It's you look at their player pool. I mean, look at their rotation and bullpen and you're like, wow, that's probably one of the best rotations, one of the best bullpens in baseball. But then you look at the guys that are on their 40 man. And then in the player pool, it's like, these are prospects that, are in the top 100. I mean, Wander yeah. Franco's in their player pool. He's not on the 40-man. He would have to be added. But then they have guys like Vidal Brujan, who's a top 100 pick, who was my favorite guy to watch when I was working in Montgomery. Uh, reminded me a lot of Jose Reyes. So, like, if a guy like uh, Willie Adamas is a slow start or goes down to injury or COVID, it's like they have so many options available to fill in either due to injury, COVID, or just poor performance. And I think that depth is what sets them apart from every other team in baseball. Yeah. Joey Wendell probably starts on most teams. 
Yeah, 100%. I agree. And he's a backup. Tremendous, tremendous depth. I think they had like nine top 100 prospects last I checked or something yeah. crazy. Uh, it's every bit as good as the Padres, except they already are a playoff team, <laughs> good. which is yeah. scary. So, yeah. Never I mean, been a manager. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They've already figured out their system, too. I mean, it, it is scary. I mean, the Rays are scary. There's no getting around it. I look at their schedule. Um, front end, nothing really to it. Back end, oh, again, it, it's pretty balanced. Like, there's nothing there that's a red flag. The one interesting thing, I saw this on MLB Network, it bears repeating, all of their games against the Yankees are in the middle of the season, which is kind of strange. I don't, I don't know if that's just a scheduling fluke or not, because you would think that they would end the season with the Yankees um, that final weekend. I think we had established, like, the, the Mets and Nationals do, right? Yeah, like you, fun, yeah. yeah so you would think that the Yankees and Rays would, but I guess it just didn't work out that way. But all of their games against each other are from August 6th to September 2nd. Within that month, they play 10 times. The Yankees have the advantage 6-4 as far as being at home. Maybe New York is great enough where they can allow fans. I don't even know how that's going to work. I don't know if they'll just allow fans all at the same time or buy a stadium based on some formula, or probably not at all. But either way, yeah. Yankees technically have the, the home field advantage. Last year was interesting. Yankees destroyed them the first half, and the Rays kind of evened it up in the second half when they played head-to-head. So there's nothing really correlating there. Um, and when they beat us, they beat the shit out of us. Right. I don't know if – have the Rays ever won 100 games? I don't think they have. So I don't, I don't think they've had, like, this crazy juggernaut team yet in their existence. Um, I don't it's kind know, of that's, unfair because they, they do play in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the Rays are obviously a formidable contender. They could very well win the play, the, the division. They could very well win the World Series. Rob, why don't you bring up the final schedule here? Um, the only team in my mind that will challenge the Rays for the division, and that's, of course, the Yankees. And, uh, yeah, Rob, you can introduce them however you want to here as we finish up. Okay. Real, real, real quick, hold on, I'm sorry. Real quick, Vince, to answer your question, they have not won 100 games. The closest they came was that 2008 team. They won 97. 97, all right. I thought it was 97 or 98, yeah. Uh, so we'll bring up the Yankees schedule here. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> yeah. This feels right. Rob coming in clutch. <laughs> so... Here we go. Yankee schedule. Final one of the night. Final one of the East. Um, let's. Uh, we'll start with you, Leon, and then we'll go to Sean. I think the common ground here is that this is the team that can challenge the Rays in the division. No. Um, Leon, let's start with you. What are your thoughts here on the Yankees? And, you know, give me a little bit of comparison between the Yankees and Rays. Where, where, where do you see that leaving off this year? Well, I am excited for the opener. Uh, Scherzer Cole is going to be great. I think the Yankees rotation is a step below of a raise. The, the rotation, having to face the NL East lineups is much different than having to face the AL Central and AL West lineups, so to say. So the wear and tear on, on, on the pitching staff may come in uh, later on during the year. Although that, that lineup is just Obviously, Murderer's Row. If Stanton comes back, uh, comes back to form, uh, you, you know he's going to get out of Judge if he plays. Um, Aaron Hicks, Andrew Har is back. That lineup is just, just murder. 
I, I still have the Yankees in second. Uh, the bullpen, you know it's going to get out of the bullpen. It's a deep bullpen. I, I think with the, it's the Yankees' extra arms, such as Sessa, uh, Holder. What you get out of those guys may determine the season. Okay, fair enough. Sean, what do you think? I, like you said, I think the pitching just overall, it's, it is very good. I think it is a small step behind the Rays. I think the addition of Cole was, you know, inevitable. I'm just not sure if kind of the all eggs in one basket thing is going to work. I, I, Tanaka, Paxton, it's like we know Paxton can be better. I think he can be a little bit better, but just the way he pitches – and having to pitch, you know, half his games in Yankee Stadium, being the fly ball guy he is, I think he's just going to constantly run into that same issue of giving up more home runs, even though he does get elite level swinging strikes, which is a theme that we might see play out with Garrett Cole as well. I'm not saying that this is going to make them, you know, terrible pitchers, but it might make them less effective. But it's a good thing that their offense can handle giving their pitchers giving up a few extra runs. Because like Leon was saying, if Giancarlo Stanton can even get back to like 80% of what we know Giancarlo Stanton can be, it's one of the best. It, it's probably the best lineup in baseball. Because I think a, too many people have seen a down year and a half or two years from Stanton and uh, half the injuries to judge. And I don't want to say like people are sleeping on the Yankees lineup, but it's like I feel like we haven't seen this Yankees lineup at 100% all wheels on the choo-choo train going around at the same time. And I feel like if the Yankees can get that to click, uh, I, I don't see many teams that can beat them. But depth, depth and the player position, they showed it off really well in 2019. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they work in guys. Like Mike Ford's one of my favorite guys in their entire roster. And I, I would really love for him to get at bats, but I'm not sure where he's going to get them. Um, I'm not as high on Andujar, but he's built for Yankee Stadium. Uh, Talkman and Frazier, guys that have talent but nowhere to play. It's They have elite depth, but I'm not sure if it's, you know, they have good talented depth, but I'm not sure behind those guys what else they have. Henry, why don't we go to you? What, where this is your, you know, your baby. What, what are your thoughts? And yes, I'm a Yankee fan, but I think the Yankees are just, they're deep. Um, Sean said they don't have a lot of depth or there's not a lot of depth, but there actually is a lot of depth. You have it's, a guy. Yeah. The depth they have is really good, yeah. but I'm not sure behind those guys what Mike, they have. Mike Talkman is probably starting center field on a lot of teams and he's our fourth guy. He, if, if Boone plays it smart, which he probably won't, he's rotating Talkman and Gardner in left field and giving Guardy as much time as possible. If he's smart. And I know Aaron Hicks is at – he said he's 80% throwing. 80% of Aaron Hicks throwing is about 110% of another – somebody <laughs> yeah. else throwing. Um, I love the outfield defense when healthy. Judge is an elite-level defender. It sucks because he's so big, and when he plays, he goes all out. You got this big giant in the outfield with a cannon, covers a lot of ground, takes great routes. The Yankees have great outfield defense, have a lot of depth. I'm not – sold on Urshela yet. I know a lot of guys are. I'm not. I need to see more from him. Um, I would like to see more third base depth. I know we have Tyler Wade. Vince loves him. I'm not so crazy about him. Mike Ford. I like Mike Ford pushing Luke Voigt. I'm not crazy on, on Voigt at all. Um, 
the Yankees did sign Duffy. Um, that's right. That's some, I mean, veteran guy. But uh, uh, Glaber, Glaber Torres at shortstop, you know, that's still a question mark on defense for me. You know, he was an okay defender at second. Now you're moving him over to short. What's he going to do? Um, so there's some defensive question marks up the middle for me. Other than that, I think the Yankees are the cream of the crop here. That lineup is just too deep. Um, Tanaka being pushed back to the third starter is, is, is great because he matches up with other third starters and he's going to be the better one nine times out of ten. Um, Jay Happ, I think we'll get a bounce back here from him. Jordan Montgomery in the fifth spot is pretty damn good coming back from Tommy John. You know, and we do have some arms, uh, Michael King, um, Clark Schmidt, who mm-hmm. was pitching today in the inter-squad game. I believe he did well. My son is texting me updates. So <laughs> I, I'm big on the Yankees. Um, I don't know where the hell they're going to f- find at-bats for Clint Frazier. I just – I don't – I can't see it the, with the amount of outfielders we have. So it's going to be interesting there. Judge, <laughs> I just – I need the guy to get healthy, man. Him and Stanton healthy. You telling I, me. <laughs> him and Stanton healthy, I think, will be something absolutely special. And even if you hate the Yankees, you will love watching them healthy. And this is Stanton's year, and Stanton will win the MVP this year. Oh, That's bold. I, uh, I, I look at things a little bit different. I, I think I'm as hard on the Yankees as I also am as fanboy on the Yankees. It kind of depends when you're catching me. Um well, you know, anyone who talks to me about the Yankees, you know, I'm not a big Luke Voigt guy. I'm not a, I, I loved what Gio Urshela did. I'm with you, Henry, though. I don't, I don't think he's a proven commodity at this point yeah. just because of it. Uh, love and Duhar's bat would have perfectly been fine trading him in 2018. Um, I knew all about the defense. I've been following and Duhar in the minors since like 2015. So I knew his bat was there. And Duhar, to me, though, I think could be a solid left fielder. And to me, that's the more logical platoon with Gardner. Unfortunately, I think they probably view Talkman as more of a backup to Hicks um, and probably a backup to Judge because I don't think Stanton's going to play in the field whatsoever this year at any point. Yeah. I think they're going to protect him and, and bubble wrap him. Yankees' depth, to me, it doesn't even matter if you think the, the players are good. Um, I, to me, last year, whatever voodoo weird shit they did and sold their soul, uh, they, pr- they broke the system in a way. A no. similar way that the Rays have broken the system with run prevention, where they can like throw 18 relievers who come out of nowhere and become <laughs> dominant, the Yankees did it with, in, with injury depth. They had 30 injuries and they won 103 games. I mean, if you you can look at that however you want, and this was a division where they had another playoff team in it. Um, you can look at that however you want. The Yankees broke. Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, going sixteen and two or whatever we did against the Orioles helped, but everyone played the Orioles in the East. Yeah. Um, can I chime in on that? Yeah. <laughs> what do you have for us, Rob? Remember, it it was the Baltimore Orioles versus Glaber Torres. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it wasn't the Yankees Sanchez. versus Baltimore. It, yeah. the Yankees at it, was, all. it was a gangbang with Sanchez and Torres against uh, the Orioles all year. But uh, the way I, you know, whatever, whatever you say, and I'm not saying they're going to have that season again. Cameron Maven, I was a big fan of him. He's gone now. Um, Gardner's another year older. Who knows if he's going to stay healthy? I personally hope that he doesn't stay that healthy so other guys, like Henry said, can get a chance in the outfield. I'm not a Clint Frazier guy. Um, I'm scared to death of Glaber moving over to shortstop. That's probably the biggest uh, insecurity that I'll share with you about the Yankees is he's totally unproven over full over any sort of long sample size at shortstop. And shortstop's a pretty important position. Yep. And on top of that, Henry, what you touched on is while I love Hicks defensively in center, 
And while I love DJ at second or wherever, you know, he'll probably move around a little bit. Uh, Gary Sanchez is the catcher at the other important position. So you've got, you've got two very big defensive question marks and two very premium defensive positions. And Sanchez, the thing that's a saving grace to me about the Yankees is this is a put-up-or-shut-up year for a lot of players. Aaron Judge has to stay healthy. Giancarlo Stanton has to stay healthy. Gary Sanchez has to stay healthy and hit. And Miguel Andujar has to prove he's not an aberration. Glaber Torres has to prove he's an elite-type player. James Paxton has to prove the second half James Paxton is the James Paxton we're going to see, not the first half. Right. And then you get into Garrett Cole has to prove he can pitch away from the machine in Houston. So there's a lot of guys to me who have a lot to prove. Now I'm going to take away the fact the Yankees have to stay healthy. That to me is the biggest challenge because now you're talking an injury that these guys have that lingers. We can't hide them for 80 games and bring them back. They're out for the year. So that's my biggest concern. I'm as Stanton, if he can stay on the field, it's going to be great. Judge, if he can stay on the field, it's going to be great. Um, I'm a big Paxton guy, and I, I'll share. I don't know how many of us know this, anyone watching, or Sean, if you necessarily knew this, but Larry Rothschild was James Paxton's biggest enemy. Um, took away his best pitch. He didn't let him throw the curveball the first half of the year. Basically, what happened was Paxton eventually was like, fuck yeah. it. I'm not going to listen to my pitching coach. I'm throwing the curveball. And he was dominant after that, lowering that ERA from like the fives it was in to the high threes I think he finished. So I'm a big Paxton guy. I like the Yankees rotation a lot. Um, if you're going one through five pitcher-wise, I disagree with the general consensus. I think that they're every bit what the Rays are. The problem for me is that the Rays have the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah. And to me, the Yankees aren't going to beat the Rays by defense and run prevention. That is what the Braves have the market cornered on. They're going to beat them because, like you said, Sean, that offense is going to stay healthy. And it's no matter what the Rays did to improve it, it's going to rake more than them. In the regular season, that can often be the difference maker is a really solid, consistent offense. So that's my argument for the Yankees. Like I said, if someone picks the Rays, I'm okay with it. Henry, what do you have to say? I have two more things I, just to go back on uh... – Paxton, every time I went to a home game where he pitched, I swear I just sat down and we were down two nothing. First <laughs> inning was it? Was it first inning was the worst, and yeah. then the rest of the game, this dude was Cy Young. First this inning, two three same, one, Cy Young. Same thing. The, the Zach the, Wheeler special. That's what, that's the Zach the Wheeler Morton, special right I went there. To the Morton Paxton game and uh, Paxton gave up two runs in the first, and the Yankees lost two one. So yeah. <laughs> totally, I, I hear there you. There was a few games. Yeah. And then the, the other thing that I meant to touch on, I had on my notes, is uh, the Yankees hired Tanner Swanson. I think that's a big under-the-radar move. Um, Tanner Swanson comes from the Minnesota Twins. You saw what he did with Mitch Garver. Um, he completely changed Gary Sanchez's receiving style. Now, for years, I've always said Gary Sanchez is a good receiver, and what does he go and do? He has the worst receiving year of his career last year. Pitch framing, I'm sorry. So he turns around and has the worst pitch framing year of his career. Gary Sanchez is a mental case. The guy, you see all the talent, even catching. He has an arm. He's a good pitch framer outside of last year. There's a lot of things that he does well, but he can't ever put it together. If he's right. hitting, his catching sucks. If he's catching well, his hitting sucks. So I think Tanner Swanson is going to have a make-or-break season for Gary Sanchez. And like you said, Sanchez is on that bubble. What are we doing with him, you know? 
And it's not just Swanson, it's Matt Blake, too, another yeah. huge yeah. hire. You know, Yankees have a, a pitching coach guru. You know, he's responsible mainly for those Indians' arms that, that they have a great rotation every year. So the Yankees, yeah, behind the scenes, they've done a lot. And the thing about Matt Blake is he can actually interpret these analytics, whereas Rothschild basically had a printout. He went to his pitchers like, this is what my analytics say. Blake can actually teach it. Um, so that – I don't know. Now, again, 60-game season, I don't know how much of that's going to manifest in a 60-game season. I think over 162, I'd be more confident. But the Yankees did a lot of, a lot to their organization to at least try and get closer to the Rays and what they do, um, but with more money and five actual starters and, and everything like that. And the Yankees have a deep bullpen, too. I think it tends to be overrated <laughs> just in terms of <laughs> – we're expecting historically great bullpens every year, and I don't think they've quite reached that level. But they're going to have a top three, five, maybe top two bullpen. Um, and, you know, it's a rock-solid team. Leon, let's go back to you. What are you – you pick the Rays, if I'm not mistaken, to win. Um, you guys may not – Henry and I are kind of reserving our actual division picks and award winners and – World Series teams and stuff like that because we're going to do it right before opening day, um, which, Leon, if you want to come back for that, perfectly welcome since they're playing the Nationals. But since it's not a guarantee, Leon, why don't you give us your <laughs> NL East and AL East playoff teams, and if you want to throw anyone who's going to win any awards in there, go with that to finish up here. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I had the Nationals winning the Eastern Division again because of the pitching. Uh, again, the four-man rotation, I think their lineup is going to be deep. Um, it's the playoff pedigree coming off a high of a World Series. Um, AO East, I do have the, the Rays uh, just edging out the Yankees, again, based on the pitching. Uh, award winners, I, ha I haven't thought about that yet. You know, um, just, you know, gun in my head. And I'll... We're going division or a whole league? Just so if you think anyone from the either East is going to win something like a Cy Young or they're a Cy Young oh. candidate or an MVP, just throw that out there. I think the Grom gets another one. The hat trick, huh? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to say that. Um, AL side. Blake Snow. Wow. Okay. By the way, do you have a wild card coming out of either division? No. Or several? No. No. Do you have Yankees missing the playoffs? Yeah. You better take wow. that baseball life banner away from him, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He never got awesome. it. He never, never got it. it. I never got it. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you know why. Um <laughs> That's a hot take. All right. So, all right. So, you've got Nationals winning the NL East. You've got the Rays winning AL East. No wild card from either one. And, and Snell being a Cy Young candidate. Sean, what about you? I have, I can't say which one's going to win the division. It's going to be the Mets or the Nats. I think both of them come out of it. Uh, I think the Braves are going to be the shocking team. I think Freddie Freeman might miss some time, or even if he comes back, he's not going to be 100%. Um, I hope I hope he is. He's a, a great guy to watch as long as he's not just hitting RBI doubles against the Mets. Uh, but I, I just don't trust their pitching, both starting and bullpen. Um, I think the Phillies finish well, but uh, just not enough. Like I said, they don't have the bullpen. 
And in terms of awards or the AL, I, I would say Yankees and Rays are the obvious picks. Like I said, I, but between the two, I can't pick a division winner. I think they're going to be so close. Um, award winners, I'm going to back up what Leon said. I think DeGrom seems to have a pretty, I don't want to call it easy, but uh, him and Scherzer are going to battle it out for the Cy Young more than likely. Um, of all those Washington starters, I think Scherzer's probably the most prepared to handle the, the long layoff and the long season that they had in 2019. Um, I, I think that's the only award uh, you might have. I could What Henry said, I, I chuckled when he said it, but I could see Stanton winning an MVP in a shortened season. Yeah. Because if, you, if we go back and we look at that 60-game stretch and when he did win the MVP, was that 17, I believe? Oh, yeah, Marlins, yeah. He yeah, like 30 home runs. He hit 33 home runs in a 60-game stretch. And I, I don't think the skills are gone. It's He just has to stay healthy. And if he stays healthy and they keep him in the DH spot where all he has to do is focus on hitting, he could win the MVP. Um, I also – I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Michael Conforto has always been a hot starter. And – a short season might actually do wonders for him. We've always waited for him to put the power patience with the batting average. He always seems to have a higher batting average in the first two months, and then it usually drops as it goes. But he's another uh, kind of a breakout candidate for uh, like an MVP pick. So we're going to see a lot of those MC Hammer memes. In the early- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one. Oh, Every single yeah. hover. There you go. Maybe we'll get a Mets thread this year, too. That'd be great. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Only when we face in the Nationals and Braves. Stop hiding in the chats, man. Make the damn thread. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that, that about sums it up. Like I said, Henry and I will kind of reserve our uh, finishing thoughts on the divisions for when we actually do a full uh, kind of preview award show right before opening day. Leon and Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know it was kind of last minute, too. You guys did a great job. Yeah, next week, yep. Uh, next week we have the central. We'll be getting to both central, so same same kind of format: NL Central, AL Central. We'll pick those uh, teams. If anyone is out there listening who's a fan of the AL Central or the NL Central, any team in there, please feel free. We I know we have a lot of Cubs fans in this group. We have a few White Sox fans, so. Uh, We've got Mike Harvey as a Cardinals fan. So if any of you want to step up and, and join the show next week, we're happy to have you. By the way, yeah, both of these guys, <laughs> podcasters, catch Leon Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Is that right? Yep. For That's the step right. back. Great show. If you're a basketball fan, if you are a basketball fan and not in ball as life, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's probably the most well-run group we have. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and join that. The admin parties are worth it alone. And, Sean, of course, you've got Total Bases, our other baseball podcast. Do you have any news on that? Or are you coming back oh, soon? Or? We are looking at hopefully having a rebranding this weekend. Felipe should be joining me, fingers crossed. Oh, wow. um, be on the lookout, though. We're going to probably have a off-season of our out-of-the-park baseball simulation. Um, I might be, look to do a stream because nice. we have a lot of players that are free agents after the first year. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys. Mike Trout is a free agent. So a lot of guys that I'm definitely want people to join in and tell me who we need to go after in free agency because we got a lot of money to spend. <laughs> yeah, yeah and if you're not like familiar, Sean has had a simulation for baseball life. We are the Colorado Rockies. We are uh, that's still on, right? We're in the second yes. round of the playoffs. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, yes, second round. Um, I'll be posting that hopefully tomorrow. 
I have followed this like it is the only team I've got going because it is. So <laughs> I highly suggest catch Sean's post. It's been exciting for me to follow those. Um, he's on step back, or I'm sorry, Leon's on step back. Sean's total bases, that'll be rebranded, brought back to you. Um, obviously, this has been Dong City with Henry and I. Henry, you have any thoughts here before we go? I just want to say, Rob, thanks for joining us on a good first show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, fellas, and I will look forward to next week. Thank yes. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you guys. Yes, Donk thank you, Rob. City. He'll be with us. Dong City, bitches.